Welcome to Here's Teresa on Talk Zone with your host, Teresa E. Keeves. Teresa is here to inspire and educate you with heartwarming stories and informative conversations from a national and global perspective. Now, here's Teresa. Good morning. Good morning to all of my beautiful international listeners out there. This is Teresa E. Keeves, your host for Here's Teresa, broadcasting on the GreatTalkZone.com internet radio. And I thank you for tuning into my show and listening to me. It is greatly appreciated. I know that you all out there are doing just great, and I, too, am feeling energetic. I am firstly feeling blessed to get my day started by talking with you, my listeners, about important matters. Okay. Um, okay. Um, I just want to say something about the weather, you know, in this country, listeners, it just continues to be off the chain. Here in Arizona, we are experiencing the effects of global warming. I talk about it all the time. It's been in the nineties, listeners. Okay. Yikes. And yesterday the high was a hundred degrees. Well, the forecaster said 97. So what's the difference, right? Well, now it is windy. And it is a high 79, uh, here on this beautiful morning. And then on Friday, it's going to be 77, um, and it's going to be, that's the high and it's going to be windy, uh, as well. Okay. See, this is what I'm saying, listeners. It is all over the place, you know, global warming and the temperature. And, um, you know, so I just want to say God bless America. That is all I can say. Okay. Moving on. We um have a lot to talk about, like always, and our topics are going to be just phenomenal. Um, my guest host is going to be Brian Keyes. He's an expert technology um uh, uh, individual in the field of technology. And he's going to be joining me in the discussions of acts of kindness, dinner table conversation suggestion, illegal immigrants, a big topic in our country, Stress, anxiety, the most common factors that have seemingly continued to grow in our country, particularly within the last decade. And Trump is itching to fire counsel, uh, uh, special counsel, I'm sorry, Robert Mueller. Um, so we're going to talk about that, too. All right. So now let's get started right away with our dinner table conversation suggestion. Now, listeners, getting your day, your life started, you know, on a daily basis, you know, like what are some of the things and or thoughts you do to achieve this on a daily basis? For example, have you ever thought about this when you awake in the morning? What are some of the things initially on your mind, like getting your spouse and children out the door, you know, to their destination that includes yourself? And are you wishing and praying that they and yourself are safe throughout the day? Or do you just go through the day or do you just go just go through your daily routine, giving this no thought, but only this is what you do or have to do? Are you happy or in good spirits when you awake on another day? If not, why not? Are you grateful that you are up and able to stand erect? And do you need to do um, stand erect so that you can do all the things that you need to do in order to have a successful day? Are you thankful to God that you have the opportunity to complete any unfinished business from the previous day in this new day 
Or do you think you are hooked up to a generator as you're sleeping and that's where your daily energy comes from? I think this would be a great discussion for dinner table talk with your family. Now, look, listeners, I take note on what my thoughts are as I am beginning my day because how it starts out, my day that is, is very indicative of how it will go. I'm telling you, if you guys take note of this, you will see that your day is very much like that, too. You know what I'm saying? So as you think it, so as it will be. I just wonder, listeners, though, as I am out and about my day among the populace, just how many people take a barometer of their feelings as they are starting their day? I just wonder if more of us took a barometer of our day in the beginning and throughout the day, if needed, would that possibly equate to being less angry, for instance, and maybe more patient and understanding of ourselves and others? By doing so, would it allow us to see our mistakes and correct them expeditiously and not harbor them for lengths of time? By doing so, listeners, do you think it can equate to a healthier mental state and perhaps being happier and even having the capability to see and hear people clearer with more understanding? I just think this is a good topic for dinner table talk, you know. And as I always say, this is meant to get families uh, together to sit down and talk, eat a healthy meal, get off of their devices and have meaningful discussions with one another. You may be pleasantly surprised to learn what your family thinks of certain suggested conversations. Okay. Now I'm going to bring on my guest, Brian W. Keeves. He is an expert in the technology field. He has over 30 years of experience in the field of technology. He is a good communicator. He is a friend to my show. Welcome, and thanks for being on my show, Brian. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks very much for having me. Good morning. Uh Uh-huh. Good morning to you, too. And, yes, listeners, he's my husband. I forgot to add that one in, too. But, nevertheless, here we are with our conversation. Okay, Brian, let's start off with... I'm sorry, I may, I'm, I may slip up and put a sweetie in there or something. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Okay, now let me just say this. You know, I want to get get started because we have a lot to talk about, and I, you know, I want to get, you know, as much as I possibly can in. I want to start off with illegal immigrants. This is a big topic in our country, and some discussions are positive and some are negative. So my question is, are you a legal immigrant in this country? Now, what happened to honoring the, the inscription on the Statue of Liberty, Brian? Did we not, uh, do we not still abide by that anymore? You know, it says, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free. The wretched refuse of your teeming shores. Send these a homeless tempest tossed to me. I lift my lap besides the golden door. Now, this is all according to courtsmedia.com. And it says that now, here, the Statue of Liberty was completed in 1886. It was a symbol of friendship from France. Now, we, we know this. And a celebration of democracy and the end of American slavery. It wasn't, however, the symbol of welcome to the world's tired and huddled masses that it is today, Brian. How the statue came to be a beacon to new arrivals in the U.S. has to do with the poem inscribed at its base, which part of it I just read. Now, the article also says, Brian, that 
uh, now as the debate over immigration, you know, is rattling our U.S., you know, is sparking doubts about what the country and what is, you know, maternal mascot stand for. So, so, you know, there's so much talk about immigrants, you know, and, and, and I'm just going to say it, the brown immigrants, because that's what it is that are pouring into this country, according to Trump. So my question is, what is it all about, Alfie? What is it really all about? Well, let's take a good example of a conversation pertaining to immigrants into this country, the migrant worker. Now, crops are not being attended to, Brian, according to a report from The Economist reported on July 27, 2017. The title of the report is, If American is Overrun by Low-Skilled Immigrants, Then Why Are Fruits and Vegetables Riding in the Fields Waiting to be Picked? Do you know what I'm saying, Brian? Oh, absolutely. We talk about that a lot. And um, can I answer what, I know you posed the question of, you know, the Statue of Liberty, the same um, as, a, as a, basically when it was built or installed there. I think that's become more of an aspirational Point. And at some point in this country, they did welcome immigrants because they wanted to grow it. They wanted to keep, you know, pushing through and to be blunt, taking it over from the Native Americans and have people to farm it and settle it and everything else. So there was a mm-hmm. point where they pushed for it, but that's definitely not today. That's, that's, uh, in, in today, we're, we are totally <clears throat> um, becoming, um, well, I won't say... <laughs> The whole country, but there's a good populace, a good part of the country that's populist, that's, that's, you know, in favor of Brexit, that's in favor of, of not having immigrants and people coming in, you know, let, not, not letting them in, right? So we're here now, mm-hmm. and we're gonna, and we're gonna close the door after us. Mm-hmm. And this is a big, <clears throat> this is a big point for me because I'm an immigrant. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not that immigrant that, that Trump is looking at. Because he's only focusing on Mexican, Central American, South American immigrants. Any, anybody that's brown, you know, anybody, anybody that's brown, brown that's right. what he's, that's what he's focusing right. on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I'm from Canada mm-hmm. and I, and I, I just pulled up some statistics. There are actually in this country almost three quarters of a million illegal residents, illegal immigrants from Europe and Canada. Exactly. And there are almost 1.5 million from Asia. Mm-hmm. Uh, out of 11 million total. But all you ever hear about are, <laughs> you know, the people from, oh, they're, so- you know, South America. Border and, mm-hmm. and, right, from South America and all that. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I, and to bring it more back to what, to what you were saying last, yes, I mean, we have a big problem in this country economically. And, and, <laughs> you know, Trump's supporters, to be blunt, are feeling it because a lot of them are these people who are the farmers and the, and, you know, the, the ranchers and people who are more conservative as a kind of a swag. If you take a look at the red states, <clears throat> you know, it's, it's kind of mm-hmm. a, a stereotype. But if you kind of take a look to those red states, they supported them. Well, guess what? They need that cheap labor and they can't get Americans to mm-hmm. work there. They've been trying. They've been, they've been waiting mm-hmm. for race. I mean, I've heard stories of them. They've, you know, doubled their salaries to try to get people to come and work on the field. And Americans don't want to work in the field. So we need no, they don't. a re- you, mm-hmm. yeah. So we need a real migrant labor, temporary labor, um, process set up. Not just 
putting up a wall and all this other rhetoric that Trump used to try to get elected, um, but actually have real immigration policy change. And if you remember, <coughs> Congress obstructed President Obama on almost everything he did, and the Republicans particularly. And so, um, you know, he couldn't get immigration reform through. He got some, you know, some things through that it was on his agenda. But immigration reform was one of those areas where he just couldn't get the consensus. And mm -hmm. we need a real, we need a real um, immigration policy and immigration, policy. yeah, policy and the reform. Yeah. Now, you know, I just want to, you know, continue on here because as I said, you know, we have a lot, uh, to talk about, but I want to, uh, uh, you know, touch on something that, that, that you had talked, talked about and, and that was about, um, how, uh, you know, the, you know, they're, uh, you know, the pay for people, for migrant workers and so forth and so on. Now, um, the president of the Western Growers, which is a farming association representing family farmers in Arizona, uh, California, Colorado, and New Mexico, traveled to Washington, D.C. with 25 owners. Now, when Senator Dianne Feinstein of California asked how many were experiencing labor shortages, they all raised their hand. Okay. Now, although officials data, official data from the Department of Agriculture show a slight fall in the number of farm workers between 2000 and 2012, the new American economy, also known as the NEA, a group uh, which advocates Im immigration reform, reckons that on a more realistic count from 2002 to 2014, the workforce actually shrank by 20%. Now, farms are feeling the effect. This is something that you just said. Now, according to the NEA, the farm labor shortage accounted for $3 billion in lost annual revenue between 2002 and 2014, partly because production cannot keep up with demand and Americans are eating a lot more imported food, like I have discussed on this uh, before, you know, which is associated with an increased appetite for fruit and vegetable, plays a big part in that. Between 1998 and, 19, and 2012, the share of America's fresh produce that was imported increased by 80%. That's a lot. That's a lot, Brian, and my listeners. Yeah. And the NEA attributes a chunk of the decrease in American farmers' share of the domestic produce market to the labor shortages. Okay? Now, speaking of the pay, the same, you know, um, article talked about farmers have responded to the labor shortage in three main ways. The first is by paying better. Since 2000, the average hourly work uh, wage of crop um, workers have risen from eight to twelve dollars an hour. It doesn't seem like a lot, but, you know, it is a lot in California. It has jumped even more from seven dollars in 2000 to thirteen dollars today, which is more than. You know, a lot of people are getting for, you know, hourly, you know, um, you know, wages. And at an a organization called Lemonera, they produce a lot of lemons uh, in California. Workers are paid an average of $19 an hour, Brian and my listeners, which is 30 to 35 percent higher than three or four years ago. OK, so yep. but then also. Um, that, you know, the farmers, you know, they, you know, they're, you know, they, they're saying that to hire, you know, through the H2A visa program, you know, there's issues there, you know, going on there, there too, you know, and then they're saying that, um, they're thinking about, um, 
you know, putting machines in. Now, this was a great article, my listeners, and please go and read it in its entirety uh, if you choose to. However, I just want to say that Trump supporters do not want the brown immigrants here, plain and simple, but they are not going to fill the positions of field workers, construction workers, restaurant workers, for example. That's just an example. So what is this really all about? You know what I'm saying, Brian? What is it really all about? Well, to me, it's all yes. about prejudiceness. It's, it's that, that populism that particularly they don't want, you know, people of color <clears throat> coming in to this country, um, which is silly because this country has always been <laughs> a country of people of color. You know, the, the white were a minority for a long time and then <clears throat> a majority and then becoming very quickly a minority again. And then there's all people that are afraid of that, to be blunt. I, I, I really put, I put kind of boiled down a lot of these discussions and efforts and the triggers that are used to get for people who are, you know, trying to get elected and <clears throat> putting it basically down to prejudices. It's, it's that them versus us. And mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to a, a tribal, you know, they're bad, we're good. <laughs> and mentality instead of the reality, which you say all the time on your show, we are globalized. And mm-hmm. to ignore that is to shoot ourselves in the foot. Exactly. And the, and the thing is, as I have uh, said to people, when um, I started getting interested in history and and uh, the global, you know, the whole global world and what is comprised of and so forth and so on, and when I was nine years old, I was very outspoken then. And, um, and I told, um, the nun, Sister Rita, um, as she was, we were uh, talking about the, the globe and she was saying, you know, this is, she actually said this, this is Roman Catholic, you know, this much is white and this much is, and I said, well, how is that going to be when you have Asia and you have Africa? I'm not even counting any, anything else, but you just got Asia. How is that going to be, you know, so. You all need you all need to look at that. And it's very, very stupid to be prejudiced, because, as I said, we all need one another, you know, plain and simple. We all need one another. All right. Thanks for that discussion. Let's move on to acts of kindness. Brian, how important is it to you? And is it part of your daily routine? Now, that's my question. Now, acts of kindness are typically at the end of a report you hear on the news listeners. You know, your mind has been bombarded with all of this craziness, and then they have this one little thing of somebody saved a kitten or someone helped, maybe helped a, 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 a you know, a World War veteran um, or something, you know. Now, Ellen DeGeneres, who is one of my absolute favorite, uh, says on her show's ending, be kind to one another. Barbara Walters, years ago, says take a little time to enjoy the view after the show ends. And I say, be kind to yourself as it starts with you and then give it to others. All sounds great, right? Well, Brian and my listeners, you know, then if that's the case, then why isn't there more kindness abound in our society? Now, Reader's Digest says in a report by Claire Buckus, if you give, you will receive happiness for one. Reports from a professor, Sonia Lubomberski, from the University of California did a study for 10 weeks, Brian, and she said that after, you know, all of 
you know, all of her research and everything was done, what she found out that in the end, uh, result was people who participated in, you know, random acts of kindness consistently were happier as a result. Now, what do you think about that? I agree. I think people actually have to work harder at being, um, uh, what is, uh, oh, I've lost the word, but you know, unkind and, and self-centered and, and all of that. And although there, there you know, it, it can become, <clears throat> I think it's easier in today's world of the, 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 you know, the, the, the me, me, me generation, right? Um, Social mm-hmm. media, everything's about me. You know, put your pictures up. Everything you're doing during the day, you know, selfies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that focus actually, instead of embracing community, actually, mm-hmm. I think teaches, especially you know, younger uh, younger people, children growing up, <clears throat> to to focus on themselves instead of others. Um, mm-hmm. I agree with you. I think that people overall, the studies are showing that people would rather be happy, would rather be kind, would rather, you know, have a community, be part of a, a community with others. And I like these organizations like randomactsofkindness.org where, mm-hmm. you know, they actually promote that. You pass, if someone, someone is kind to you, um, pass that on. You know, mm-hmm. I know we in our lives, you know, just in, just in what we do on a day-to-day basis, you know, we're always thinking that way. And I know that because that's how we were brought up. Even just, you know, driving, you know, let people go, you know, let people have the right of mm-hmm. way. Just mm-hmm. you know, making sure you check your our surroundings and you're aware of people and you're, you know, let people... So take the time just to do simple things like that, you know, mm-hmm. let mm-hmm. people, let people do what they're doing too. And it's not all just about, you know, you, mm-hmm. not, not mm-hmm. you but you know, the general you. Well, you know, there's a great ad on TV for one of the insurance companies. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And I always, I look at that. I always kind of, you know, it kind of wells up when I watch that. <laughs> yeah, it's like a welcome human kindness. Um, when yeah. they, when yeah. I, I love the one with the big uh, whale and the two divers was cutting this gigantic rope off of this whale. And I'm sure a lot of you out there have seen that advertisement. And the, you know, the, and it had, it was like digging into the whale's body. And you know, that had to be a relief. Uh, for that animal, you know, to continue on with his life, not having that rope. And it was, and it was probably some fisherman's rope or some other thing that man put, put down in the, you know, in the, in the waters, you know. And, uh, when, when he did that, yeah. So I, yeah, I'm trying to remember the, it's associated with, um, a hospital, but, uh, it says, hello, hello, human kindness, you know, and I think that is, uh, you know, fabulous, um, uh, ad. And I think that people, you know that, as I said before, there's just too much craziness on TV. You know, we don't need to have a uh, another, you know, um, uh, program uh, with, with people getting hurt, caught in fires, this and that. I mean, because this actuality right here, all you got to do is turn on CNN or or um, one of the other MSNBC, 
and you'll hear a lot of these actual things. You don't, the human mind is not supposed to, and neither was it intended to be bombarded with a bunch of negative stuff because negativity is, is just not good for our being. But I want to go on talking about it. Um, you know, uh, I came across a thing that says that kindness is, um, an article, kindness is definitely connected to a healthier being. And that's true because I was just getting ready to say, that, you know, when you're mean spirited, as you know, that brings on disease and other nasty things in your life. Now, Brian, there was a 2005 study from Hebrew University in Israel found a link between kindness and a gene that releases dopamine, a feel good neurotransmitter in the brain. Now, that's something that Reginald talks about a lot, dopamine. Now, research by Alan Lux in his 1991 book that's titled The Healing Power of Doing Good found that helpers reported a distinct physical sensation when being kind. Okay, many reported feeling more energetic, warm, calmer and greater self-worth, a phenomenon he calls the helper's high. Kindness has also similarity with happiness. (laughs) <laughs> okay, it can't be bought. Professor Sam Bowles says that economists often make the mistake of assuming people are inherently selfish. But Bowles' report published in Science this year found otherwise. Bowles believes, uh, believes we resent the idea that our principles can be bought. We prefer to do good deeds for their own sake. People enjoy being kind to others much as they enjoy eating ice cream. It gives us pleasure, he says. I know for a fact that there are a large number of people out in the world who are kind-hearted. I know this, listeners, and I know this, Brian, because I am one of them, and I know others who are kind. However, for me, Listeners, there are not enough of kind people and there's just not enough recognition for the kindness that is out there. Like I was listening, um, uh, looking at the recording of the, the uh, celebration of Elton John that aired on, I believe, CBS last night. And um, he's for 20 years, he's had an organization to fight um, AIDS and and it has helped over what was it, 500 million people? Isn't that what that, that said? I believe that's what the stat said, uh, Brian. And and I never heard of it. I mean, and, and I'm sure a lot of you out there haven't either, not unless you've looked it up or maybe it came across some program screen or something or or uh, one of your devices or something like that. These are things that need to be told in this world, because right now people think that it's all about the craziness that's going on. You know, in, um, the, in our world of the government with Donald Trump's stupid ass in there and all of his henchmen and all of that. And, and you got, uh, uh, you know, Putin and, and all of this going on. No, there, there are an abundance of kind things that's, that's going on in our world. So don't be fooled about, about that. You know, is, is things going on in our world crazy? Yes, it is. But there are also in it, in his belief in my heart, more, kindness that is going on than evil uh, that's happening in this world. Your last comments about this, uh, Brian? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I really enjoyed um, <clears throat> that tribute to Elton John and his letter to his friend Ryan. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, my voice is going here in Arizona. It's dry. So his friend Ryan, who died of AIDS in 1990, and really, it was the impetus for um, 
his efforts around the, the, the AIDS, fighting AIDS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, and this is what I'm saying, and he has other, he has other, um, organizations, you know, her, you know, with humanitarian efforts. And, you know, people don't talk about that, um, much, you know, they, as I said, they talk about too much of the craziness that, that goes on, you know, black China acting an ass in, in six flags. And don't nobody care about her acting a fool. She wants to be a fool and, 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 and start doing all of that craziness, you know, then whatever. No one cares. Okay. But what, what we need, Right now is love and there is a world, there's a fabulous song that, that talks about it. You know, Dusty Springfield, I believe is her name. And she recorded it a long time ago. Um, you know, when I was, I was a kid and I always remember that song. I know the words of it and, uh, I hear it, you know, from time to time being played on the, on the radio. So, all right. That was a good discussion. Now let's move on. Trump is itching to fire counsel Robert Mueller as Trump really thinks this is his reality show, the defunct apprentice, and that he can do what he wants to whoever he wants. And there will be not any repercussions from it as Congress has lost its responsibilities pertaining to the office of the president. In my opinion, he's gotten away with so much so far. Hasn't he listeners or has he really? Now, Trump was and still is visibly upset, Ryan, basically shaken as he was talking to the reporters yesterday as he was sitting next to the warmonger Bolton that he dug up from the Bush's administration back in the day, talking to the reporters about how his personal lawyer's office was raided by Mueller and what about what about the terrible things or awful, awful things sounding like a kid um, with his uh, arms folded that Hillary did and blah, 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 blah. Now, the question is, it's about you and your administration and all of the craziness that goes along with it since you stepped foot into the White House. You understand what I'm saying, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm seeing is that they have the, the White House and the Republicans have for a long time been been um, criticizing Mueller, subjecting the whole process to criticism, saying it's false, it's false news and false, and you know, and he, Trump even in his in the interview you were talking about. Was, was even saying it's not American. And I'm, you know, so what, what they've been trying to do is, in my opinion, they've been trying to set the stage to allow Trump to fire Mueller, which he exactly. can do directly by law. But that hasn't seemed to stop him in a lot of areas. And, the, you know, and, and, he, and here's the thing. So far, you know, uh, Congress and the courts have not stood up to him, have not, you know, they've let mm-hmm. him get away. I mean, pick any single one thing out of the thousands of tweets that he sent out. If President Obama had, had done, sent those kind of tweets out, um, it just would have been a firestorm. Exactly. And, and why, oh, and a side conversation, why is the president allowed to tweet anyways? It used to be you couldn't even have a phone in the White House. Exactly. And... Right, you couldn't have exactly. your personal phone and all that because he's the representative. He's you know the top quote unquote representative of our government, <laughs> and he 
is sitting there tweeting all the time. But anyways, back to what you're saying, um, I think they have been intentionally um, <coughs> setting the stage. And it, it comes right out of the Republican playbook that was built up years ago where, you know, they, they say um, <coughs> if you tell someone, you know, Some. 15 mm -hmm. times or 17 times or whatever that number is, it's like a magic number. If you tell them that many times, then they'll, they'll start to believe it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's what I see them doing. They've consistently mm -hmm. been going out there on, on, on all, me you know, media and everything else that they can get their hands on to discredit the, the Mueller investigation and to set things up so that, um, I feel so, you know, so that, so that Trump wouldn't have repercussions if he actually fired him. Now, legally, like I said, he can't fire uh, Mueller directly. He'd have to fire, he'd have to tell the Attorney General to, well, in this case, the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Rosenstein, to fire him, because Rod Rosenstein appointed Mueller because Jeff Sessions recused himself. Mm -hmm. So, now, <laughs> you know, well, I'm, that I'm, I'm, I'm good. Sorry, go ahead. Okay, but see, that's that's not gonna, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get everything in because I only got an hour show. And that's not yep. that's not gonna, uh, you know, Trump can be a fool. Well, he is a fool, and he can continue to do his foolish stuff. But I keep telling people that nothing lasts forever but God's love. Okay, so now let me give you some case in point. See, when you follow along the path of darkness and the devil. And for, you know, people who don't think that there are repercussions and that nothing is going to happen to you because you've been acting a fool, let's say, for the last, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years of your life and nothing has grabbed you in your ass and brought you down. Well, it happens at the at the most time that you don't think that it's going to happen. But, you know, there was an article from TimesUnion.com, uh, my listeners and Brian, this dated April 10th, 2018. And it says in part the following and it says in part the following that the top federal prosecutor in Manhattan had has been recused from involvement in the FBI's probe of President Donald Trump's personal lawyer. See, the whole thing is this, listeners. I want you guys to know this, and I'm sure a lot of you out there know this, but in case you don't, it was not Mueller who raided his personal um, lawyer's office. It was the FBI. Okay? It was the Federal Bureau of Investigation that did that. All right? Now, they can't do anything, not unless they get the blessing of, an, of a judge. And the judge said, sure, you know, that's fine. Here's the warrants. Have at it. Now, what is upsetting Trump, Brian, as um, I was discussing this morning uh, before, you know, before I'm airing, is that he's saying, you know, uh, he's saying we didn't, we didn't even, you know, he doesn't even know what this word means. Somebody had to tell him that, you know, that we didn't even have a chance to redact the documents and stuff. Oh, well, if you don't have nothing to hide, why the, why the hell do you need to have documents that are redacted and all that? You know what I'm saying? The other thing that this article said is President Donald Trump is fuming about what he says is an abuse of attorney client privilege after federal agents raised his personal attorney's office in New York. And he says that, you know, the attorney client privilege is dead. Uh, and he, and he added a total witch hunt. Now this is what I want to say, Brian. 
it, it is so insane. And I'm certain that other countries are probably tired of laughing at this mess that's going on in this country in the White House. Trump raged uh, over the, the, you know, the raid Monday, calling it a disgrace. You know, he also uh, called Mueller's investigation an attack on our country. What the hell is he talking about? You know, prompting new speculation that he might seek the removal of the Justice Department special counsel. You know, he can go ahead and do that. And they've all been telling him, don't do that, you know, uh, because then that'll be that for you. Now, do you think he will be foolish enough to instruct his deputy attorney, Rod J. Rosenstein, to fire Mueller? You talked about that a little bit ago. And then when it gets really hot, Trump will say, this is what he's going to say, Brian, because this is what he does. He acts like, you know, his his um, you know, that he stopped growing when he was 10 years old. You know, oh, I didn't fire fire Mueller. Rosenstein did that just like he is doing his personal attorney who paid the hush money, you know, to the porn stars. And Lord knows what else he did. And now he's acting like uh, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. What do you think about that, Brian? Well, he, he's he's well known for throwing people under the bus, right? I mean, that's that's how he does business. He basically <clears throat> says whatever anyone wants to hear when he's in the when he's in the room with them, and then later it's like he he doesn't recall, right? <clears throat> oh, he didn't mm-hmm. do that, and oh, and or it was someone else's fault if something went wrong. That's that's how he that's how he does business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, aside from poisoning the whole government <laughs> with that that kind of thought pattern um there is there's some people feel that even if he fired Mueller or had rosen uh, rosenberg fire Mueller, rosenstein that, um i'm sorry rosenstein you said rosenberg, rosenberg. <laughs> yeah it's you know, okay I was, I was trying to remember which was which and then i went oh I, I got one. <laughs> so <laughs> even if he had rosenstein fire Mueller. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, even though they've really, uh, G- even GOP leaders have consistently said they would start impeachment proceedings if that happens. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm still skeptical that they <laughs> would all support it. And I think it would still be an uphill battle to get him impeached because the GOP, even the I don't, and GOP, I, I, Okay, go ahead. Yeah, I don't, because here's the whole thing. You know, as I just said that, uh, the, this, this, this guy, the top federal prosecutor in Manhattan has been recused from involvement in the FBI's probe of President Donald Trump personal attorney. Uh, Jeffrey Berman was named the intern, the interim U.S. attorney for Manhattan in, 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 um, January. The Republican is a former law partner of former New York Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who, by the way, is getting divorced. You know, he was cheating on his wife with this woman. Now she's like, okay, bye bye. Who was one of Trump's big backers? See, the whole thing is, is that, as I said, it's all, it's, you know, it's all, you know, London Bridge is falling down. Okay, falling down, falling down, you know. So, um, you got Paul Ryan who was saying that, um, you know, he was such a, a, a big fucking ass when, uh, President Obama was in, um, office. Um, you know, him and his, um, um, homies were saying that they were going to make this a one term presidency and God said, you a lie. 
<laughs> you see how that turned out. And so now look at them. Now they're all scrambling like a bunch of roaches when you turn the damn light on. Okay. Now Paul Ryan is saying that, you know, he's, he will not seek reelection because he knows what's coming. And I don't care if he leaves now or whatever. They want to, they want to, they can, they can always subpoena his ass, you know, when, you know, if it gets down to that. So for all of them that's leaving, you know, they're all jumping ship because now none of them wants to be associated with the, with the devil. You know, they all did this, but now they don't want to be associated with the devil now. Too late because you, you know, you, you've been found out. You know what I'm saying, Brian? Yeah, absolutely. And the reason why I said what I said is that uh, the, the, the GOP and, and Congress in general just doesn't seem to have a backbone. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. why I'm wondering if they would actually proceed, because there have been actually um, calls for his impeachment by numbers of, of Congress people, and, con- and the House has to initiate impeachment proceedings. The Senate can't. And, and there have been groups of people in the House that have, have called for it, but it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, what, what, where I'm coming from is I'm thinking maybe, you know, we'll have to do criminal charges. And it's the, it's the actual result of Mueller's findings. And if you remember, mm-hmm. a lot of people compare this with um, Nixon's Saturday Night Massacre, where, mm-hmm. you know, um, his attorney general resigned and the deputy attorney general resigned rather than um, fire the Watergate special prosecutor at that time, but mm-hmm. still proceeded. And they, they, and they were going to file criminal charges before he resigned. Uh, well, mm-hmm. that, that's why he resigned, got out, out of there because uh, he was going to, they were going to file criminal charges. Well, the same thing can happen to Trump. And Trump has said over and over again <laughs> that, the president is immune to criminal charges while in office, right? <laughs> that's not true. There is no precedence for that. That's He's Looney Tune. Yeah. That's just some people's um, interpretation or thought. But, like, there was a new – If you, I don't know if you remember, there's this um, – um, there was a, a court case recently where in New York – where um, a former contestant on The Apprentice said that Trump groped her, and she's suing, mm-hmm. and um, for defamation, and mm-hmm. um, the judge, the New York State judge, rejected Trump's bid that he couldn't be prosecuted or, or held for that because he was, you know, in, in, in president in office. Because she didn't mm-hmm. that, and so there, there is no precedent in law. To hold for that. In fact, um, Nixon's vice president, Spiro Agnew, resigned after being charged with felony tax evasion. Want mm-hmm. to forget about that story? I heard a, um, um, a good discussion of this a few months ago, where I really was paying attention to Watergate, but you know, uh, Spiro Agnew also was being investigated, and he resigned. And so no one mm-hmm. has no one has taken it all the way up to the Supreme Court to say that you know uh, executives in power were, are, are immune to prosecution. 
So even if he was, even if he fires Mueller, you know, it's not going to stop. And it, I think it would, it would accelerate. I just don't have faith that Congress would actually impeach him. Is my problem. I wish they would. Yeah, I uh, yeah, would, I, I I understand you know. what I, I understand what you're saying. You know, and 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 I hear what you're saying, but you know. You know, as I said before, nothing lasts forever but God's love. That's the second time I said yep. that uh, today um, on on my program. But you know, the thing is, is that I don't know what the what the deal is. Why Congress is not Congress? Because they they were really pissing me off. That goes for all of them. One of the things that Congress is supposed to do, and we learned this back in grammar school, they're supposed to keep the president in check. They're supposed to keep him lawful. They're supposed to make sure that he abides by the rules and regulations, policy procedures, the Constitution and any and other thing that keeps uh, that that keeps this country viable, that keeps this country safe, that that keeps this country on on an even kill and any other uh, positive thing. You know, but everything that he has been about has been negative. But see, it's just like, see, all of this shit started from the beginning, uh, Brian, you know, when he was debating how he acted in his debates and and the moderators let him get away with that shit. So he, you know, he was filling his oats. He already had to got the white entitlement going on. So then he just, you know, fueled that to all of that. And he's thinking that he's invincible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. Now, the thing the yep. thing is, is that is that he's talking about all oh, and, and here's another thing. Show you how stupid he is. Oh, all of these Democrats and the Mueller. Mueller is Republican. You fool. He's Republican. He is not a Democrat. He's not an independent. He's a Republican and he has always been and he probably always will be. He's just a good man. And I have said long time time ago on my program that there are some Republicans um, in my time of voting that I have voted for. And don't ask me who, because I'm not going to tell you. But I just thought that, you know, that they were, you know, better in their thinking and so forth and so on, you know. So the thing is, is that Mueller is one of these individuals, in my opinion, where, you know, I think that think he's great. And I mean, you know, he he uh, Mueller is no plaything. He's not stupid. This man is very, very smart, very smart. Things do change. And it just goes to show you, like I said, that there is a God. There is a God out there. It's it's. It is it, is no joke, you know what I'm saying. So now I also want to uh, read uh, uh, Brian uh, a report that came across my desk from CNN yesterday, and it says in part that Donald Trump is considering fire de- firing Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Multiple people with the discussion tell CNN a move that has gained urgency following the raid of the office of the president's personal attorney. Such an action could potentially further Trump's goal of trying to put greater limits on special counsel Robert Mueller. This is what, you know, you were talking about earlier. Now, this is one of the several uh, options, including going as far as to fire Attorney General uh, Jeff Sessions. Trump is weighing in on the aftermath of the FBI's decision Monday to raid the office of Michael Cohen. The president's uh, personal attorney and longtime confidant officials say if Trump acts, Rosenstein is most likely target. But it's unclear uh, whether even such a dramatic firing like this would be enough to satisfy uh, Trump. Okay, Um, it says that uh, he has long been angry at top Justice Department officials who he feels have not done enough to protect him. Now, get that who have not done enough to protect him, Brian, 
for Mueller's ongoing probe. Who the fuck does he think he is? But two sources said the raid could make a tipping point that would prompt the president to take more aggressive action against the special counsel. What do you think about what I just read? Well, it basically is all summed up by, you know, Trump is a narcissist. He thinks <laughs> that, you know, he's the most important uh, person in the room always. And mm-hmm. he needs to be pandered to. And mm-hmm. he surrounded himself. There's another report you were reading me, I think yesterday, in fact, that he surrounded himself with yes men, right? Everyone, yeah. it, it, it has to, you have to agree with him to be a part of his, Council, yeah, boudoir team, of idiots. Okay, exactly. Right. right. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember a report you read me a few months ago that said that um, his daily press clippings are only taken from positive uh, sources. So he, he, he never even yeah. sees the, his press clippings that he demands. He wants press clippings. But his staff doesn't give him anyone with, with, with you know, any, any derogatory or negative statements about him. It's always glowing, you know, um, <laughs> glowing statements. So mm-hmm. that's, just, that's just, it's all tied up in that, that, you know, he thinks because he's the president, he's above the law. He's a narcissist, so he thinks he's always right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he surrounded himself with people who aren't going to tell him otherwise. So he's constantly surprised when these things happen. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, the rest of us are are, are, are are just waiting, right? We're just waiting for the shoe to drop. Like, okay, when are they actually going to file charges? And, you know, et cetera. Et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. And then the article went on to say the president's animosity towards Mueller reached its highest point on Tuesday. A person uh, familiar with the president's thinking said one source said uh, Trump views the raid on Cohen, which was executed by U.S. attorney's office for the Southern District of New York and not Mueller as a ruse and directly related to the special counsel's investigation. According to the source who is familiar with the president's feelings, Trump believes Mueller get this. Get this, my listeners and Brian. Trump believes Mueller is unregulated with few checks and balances on his conduct. <laughs> I, you know, it is so yeah. insane. I have to, I have to laugh. I'm like, no, you're the one who has had no checks and balances on the, on yep. the, on the, on the constant negativity, the, the nasty things that come out of your mouth. And the crazy things that you that you do. I mean, how are you going to Congress in order for someone, you know, he's fired. people. As I said, he acts like this is the apprentice. Okay, you're fired and you're in. So Congress is not telling him, excuse me, that's supposed to come through us first. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He had that he had that warmonger, you know, looking like a with that with the warrior's mustache sitting next to him. All right. He had fired this guy. He didn't ask Congress a damn thing, nothing, because he doesn't think he needs to. And this is all their fucking fault. And I want to see a big change in Congress comes this fall. And I believe it's going to be a big change in Congress. You know what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely. And and Paul Ryan's retirement announcement this morning. Actually, many, many people are saying what we've always been saying, what we've been saying for a while, <laughs> that 
the House is going to flip Democratic definitely now because if the, yep. if the if the Speaker of the House can't stay in power, then you know they know that they're not going to be able to keep seats. Forty Republicans are retiring <laughs> before the 2018 election. Forty, mm-hmm. and and that, the the Democrats probably only more than that. I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. And the Democrats only need like what 23 or 26 seats or something like that to take mm-hmm. over the majority of the House. Now, mm-hmm. unfortunately, the Senate now they the the House and well also in in the the talk that's going on is that that could increase the probability of impeaching Trump because mm-hmm. the House then would have a majority of Democrats and they they could actually file charges of impeachment. The problem is the Senate is the one that votes, and you need two thirds of the Senate. So you, you mm-hmm. also have to flip. It also have to flip the Senate enough <laughs> to make it, um, you know, to make something like that happen. But there's yeah. that possibility too now with the House mm-hmm. looking like this, and so many Republican seats going Democratic and entrenched Republican seats. I've been talking about this for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, with all of these, they've had all these special elections going on, and Democrat after Democrat after Democrat winning, mm-hmm. and they think that's going to continue through the 2018 election cycle. So you know, we could see we could see a, a total, you know, a total <coughs> change in in Congress totally, and mm-hmm. that could be the tipping point, and that could be finally where things are going to get done. Yeah, but, you know, so far I've been calling it and I've been, you know, right in in my calls and, um, um, you know, it, as I'm watching everything play out, I'm not, um, you know, um, I'm just, you know, I'm just, you know, just um, I, I'm trying to think of the word, um, not not an advocate, but an individual who is good at looking at things and watching how it's going to play out and can call call it the way it is. That's me. Okay, so um, I had said that um, that the Congress is going to change in 2018 because people are going to see. See, it doesn't take long for the devil to let you know that he's a devil and 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 and, and what's and what's really happening, you know. So um, I mean, people are dropping like flies. I mean, even Rudy Giuliani's wife that he used her to cheat on it. Now he she's divorcing him. I mean, who knows? He could be. Um, uh, um, involved in some Russian thing or whatever. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? Okay, so I got like like three minutes. Okay, so I want to quickly say something about the very last thing that I wanted to talk about, which was stress and anxiety. And I really wanted to talk about this um, uh, with Reginald, but we're going to talk about it in more in more length. But I just very quickly, um, Brian, want to say that the most common factors that have seemingly continued to grow in our country, particularly within the last decade, is stress and anxiety. And what are some of the things that are contributing to this negative growth? And once someone is affected by it, what are some of the things that can be used to curtail its presence in the daily lives of individuals affected by stress and anxiety? And as I said, I wanted to discuss this with my brother. He's a, a great mental health therapist, Rachel C. Campbell, but he is not with us today. But he will be back with um, um, back with me for our broadcast, which will be April 26th. So what Brian and I are going to do is discuss this partially very quickly in a, you know, about a minute and a half. And then, the you know, 
And uh, so we can, you know, go through the whole enchilada because neither one of us, you know, are mental health therapists, but we do have a bunch of common sense. And, um, you know, just to say, so, you know, having having said that, um, you know, I want to tell my listeners, you know, that I contacted uh, uh, and I'm saying I'm saying it that way, contacted anxiety a couple of years ago to this month when I had a lower lung infection and it gave me a huge amount of albuterol, huge amount. And when I started having these, this, 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 I'm like, what the hell is this? You know? And, um, so with the help of my brother, I have to give kudos to him and I wish he would write about some of this stuff, but I'm calling, I'm calling it a cold water therapy. That's what I'm naming it that, um, he taught me and, you know, he helps individuals, um, as Brian and I know who have PTSD, you know, soldiers and things like that, uh, dealing with anxiety and other, and other, um, um, you know, things that are associated, um, um, uh, mentally. But Brian, very quickly in about, um, you know, uh, 30 seconds, can you say what are two things that you think real quick that are causing people to have anxiety in our society? Absolutely. Well, usually the, the, the top ones are, are, are finance, mm-hmm. um, finances. And, and, you know, if you go back to, the subprime crisis in 2007, um, people were stressed out dramatically. Um, President Obama, by coincidentally, helped all that by fixing the economy. And by the end of his term, I, I would say stress levels were way down. And that mm-hmm. leads into my second point of what causes a lot of stress is uncertainty. And President Trump has definitely brought that about. So I think stress and anxiety levels have skyrocketed. Because oh yeah, directly to him. Directly to him. It, I will. I yeah. Yeah. You know, in the uncertainty in Congress and the uncertainty, uh, future uncertainty. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate you being on my show, Brian. I thank you, listeners, for listening to me. I will be back on the 26th of of April with you know more um, uh, learned and educational and and uh, interesting topics. So I ask that you go out and make this a great day. Be kind to yourself. That's where it starts first, and then give it to others. This is Teresa E. Keys. God bless you. Mm-hmm.